Hello, this is Anna and Brian from Amata World Podcast, and today we have our next guest for the web free episode, Paul Simpson, who is working at the Collector Labs. He's a CDO over there, and uh, they're actually doing some fractional NFTs. Hi, Paul. Hi, how are you doing? Good, good. Good. Uh, could you please tell a little bit more about your background and uh, a small introduction to yourself? Sure. Well, yeah, as you said, I'm Paul Simpson. I'm the CTO for Collector Labs, and I've been interested in IT for pretty much most of my life. Um, I started getting interested in Web3 and crypto quite some time ago. But uh, yeah, we're on an exciting journey and um, very excited to be here. Could, could you tell us a bit more about what does uh, you know, Collector Labs do? Sure. Well, Collector Labs bringing together the traditional world of fractional ownership uh, and combining that with the, the new world or newish world of blockchain and NFTs. So what we're doing is we take a physical rare collectible item, which has a real value, and then we fractionalize that item into a set a number of parts. And for every part, an NFT is produced. So if you own an NFT from our collection, you own a share in a real physical item with real value. And we are backed by the world's largest private holding of rare collectible items, which is Paul Fraser Collectibles. Probably you have an interesting story how you actually came up with this idea or something. What, what actually inspired you to do the project? Well, I mean, I've been involved in crypto and blockchain since 2012 when I started uh, by mining, actually mining Bitcoin in plastic crates with GPUs and home-built PCs. That went on for a year or two, and uh, my wife reached a point where she could no longer stand the heat or the noise. They had to go. So I sold my rigs. I sold the Bitcoins that I'd mined, uh, not, not at the top, unfortunately, but I still made a profit. Then I spent the next sort of 10 years learning about blockchain and getting in the space and, and seeing how it works and trying to work out what the opportunities would be long-term. And then along came Collector Labs or Paul Fraser Collectibles at the time with this idea to use blockchain technology to give people an opportunity to own part of a fraction of something with real tangible value. And straight away, I thought that is an absolute no brainer. You know, it's a perfect fit. Blockchain technology, which is borderless, the concept of fractional ownership just seemed like a perfect fit to me. So I went ahead and took the job. Wow. Sounds like you've got a long history there. Between then and now, are there any sort of other projects that you've been involved with in the, the crypto space that you can share? Well, in the time between when I finished mining and, and up until I started Collector Labs, which was last year, I worked as a freelance consultant for various high net worth individuals. And I was involved a couple of points with Electronium as well in the early days when it was, uh, you know, it had some value and a couple of other projects as well that I've been involved with. but. Um, Mostly, I'm sort of tuned in with what Collector Labs are doing. This is my my focus now, uh, the, you know, the fractional ownership, blockchain, and how that can benefit people globally. The advantages are so many. Uh, we're doing a lot to take away the risk as well. So, I mean, for example, our NFTs represent a no-risk hold. You know, traditionally, you can buy an NFT for whatever the developer decides it's worth, Let's just say it's $50. So you buy your NFT, there's a bit of hype, you make a bit of money, you think you're going to hold it. And then all of a sudden, uh, the hype dies down and you're left with you know, the bag, as they say. 
But with our NFTs, we've taken away that risk because all of them are backed by the value of the physical item. So every single NFT is worth a fraction of a real item with real value. So I'm a bit curious about some of the items that you have collector labs. Are there any specific types of physical like assets that you're focused on for these NFTs? Well, Paul Fraser collectibles have a wealth of items. And I'm talking anything from penny black stamps to Madonna's underwear that she wore on stage and everything in between. I mean, a launch item was, it was a great publicity thing. It was Madonna's stage-worn underwear from 1987. And we've since launched another item, which as you probably know is Kurt Cobain's hair. Now, those are obviously, you know, from the music scene, but we do have other items such as Buzz Aldrin's signed space training suit. The, the actual flight suit that he trained in for the Gemini and Apollo 11 missions, and it's autographed as well. So that's something that might come up in the future. As well, we have, from the movie The Shining, we have the axe prop that was actually used in that movie, again, with a you know signed photo from Jack Nicholson. So there really is a huge array of items that we can draw upon to fractionalize. We've only listed two so far. Um, the Nirvana ones, the Kurt Cobain hair, is going down pretty well because in 2021, just six strands of his hair sold for $14,000. And we have, I think it's 126 strands, and we fractionalize them into 200 fractions with the NFTs being $100 each. So it represents quite a good, um, quite a good investment and great entry point for anybody that wants to explore the world of rare collectibles. But yeah, to answer your question, we have a very, very large stock of items. I'm a bit curious, for example, the, what was it? The spacesuit and the film collectibles, because I have passion for films. So can you walk me through, if I want to be one of the people who owns part of that axe or part of that spacesuit, what should I do? How, what's the process? Well, this is where it gets really interesting because, as I'm sure you're aware, traditionally, you know, to buy an NFT, you go on OpenSea or you go to a, the, the project website, you might meet your own NFT or connect your wallet to OpenSea, get some crypto, <laughs> so get some stable coins or whatever is required, and then buy the NFT. Well, we have that process as well. All of our NF NFTs are on OpenSea, but we are breaking new ground, and I don't think this has been done before but you can actually go to our site, collectorlabs.io, and buy an NFT or several NFTs with a debit card directly. You don't even need blockchain experience. You don't need to install a wallet because we have more options that we can offer our clients because we hold the actual item that backs the NFT. So a lot of our clients are traditional collectors. and They like to you know, pay by card or they'll pay with a bank transfer and they'll receive their item. Now, they are becoming interested in what we're doing with fractional ownership, and many of them have become Collector Labs customers. And it's very easy for them to just go to our site and pay with their card, and then we will give them a tutorial on setting up a wallet, walk them through that, and when we're sure that they're confident with security and everything else, we can transfer the item to their wallet. Alternatively, we can hold the NFTs for them and issue them with a holding certificate. So people can get involved in this without even having any web free knowledge, any crypto knowledge or blockchain knowledge. So we're trying to attack that 
mass adoption barrier that's being beaten down currently by larger entities, shall we say, with the on and off ramps chaos that's happening in the market at the moment. So we're, we're attacking that with our own way of giving people an opportunity to get into you know, this market. So yeah, it's really simple. It's literally head to the site, choose whether you want to pay with a wallet or choose whether you want to pay with a debit or credit card and make the payment. And that's all you have to do. Are they taking the physical item at the end or they will have just digital certificate for that or how, how does it work if it's just one item? Okay, so here's how it works. All of our items are kept in a vault, a G4S secured vault. All of our items are insured and all of our items are cu- curated in a professional uh, way that, that Paul Fraser Collectibles have been doing for you know 40 years in terms of humidity and storage conditions and everything else. So we don't actually physically fractionalize these items. We digitally fractionalize them. So let's say you, you want to buy uh, you know, two fractions of Kurt Cobain's hair. You wouldn't receive any actual physical hair, but you would receive a share in the ownership of that hair. So if you brought, let's say, 10% Kurt Cobain's hair, you're having a spend up today, you buy, you buy two grand's worth, then you own 10% of that asset. And if the value, the market value in the secondary market of that asset decides to go up, then your fractions go up with it. This is like a long huddle. I mean, these aren't, you know, in, in some cases it may happen, but we don't expect people to buy our NFTs and do a, do 100 times or 500 times in, you know, in a, in a week or, or days. This is a, a long huddle. But with that comes the security of the value of the underlying asset. So, I mean, I, I personally am buying everything that we produce personally because I, I want to build up a portfolio of these fractions because I know that the physical items are stored in a secure vault. They're safe they're only going to increase in value over time. So it is about digitally fractionalizing these rare collectibles. There is an option for you to take physical ownership of anything that we fractionalize. But in order to do that, you would need to buy every NFT. That creates a kind of supply and demand situation. And again, as to the secondary market. So let's say, for example, I, I see the Nirvana uh, Kurt Cobain item, that the hair, and I, you know, I'm a mad fan and I just, I, w- I want that item. I've got to have it. I've got to have it you know, in my, in my safe at home. Well, I'll have to buy all of the NFTs that are on, on the open market, the ones that haven't been sold yet. And then I would have to make offers to all the other holders because they're all obviously on OpenSea. So I can make offers to all the other holders and it's up to them whether they accept it. Um, that goes against the, con- the, the orig- part of the original concept of fractional ownership in a better way because fractional ownership dictates that if 75% of the people decide to sell something, then the other 25 have no choice. Now that's the traditional model, but we don't obviously, because we're talking about decentralized NFTs, we don't have to comply with that. So it is literally, literally the democratization of the ownership of these items. Actually on that, I'm curious. So, you, you know, you've made the whole process of onboarding a lot simpler for anyone who's trying to purchase any of these fractional NFTs. Like how has people perceived like the concept of fractionalization? Because I think that is something that has been introduced with NFTs. And I feel like maybe, you know, in the the wider society, how well do they perceive the idea of fractionally owning something because you don't own the whole thing? How do people feel about that? Well, the fractional ownership market itself has been around for some time. You know, you can fractionally own part of a 
an exclusive sports car, let's say, a, you know, a brand new Ferrari can be fractionalized. And, and what happens is a limited company will be created and shares in that limited company will represent part of, you know, the, the ownership of that Ferrari. That's the traditional model. The earliest innovation of fractional ownership with NFTs was in the property market in the US where NFTs are used to represent fractional ownership of, of property. Now, you'll probably see a lot of membership NFTs, which kind of represents fractional ownership of a, a community or a voting, a voting participation system. So, I mean, like you say, NFTs gave people the vehicle in my opinion, to wider fractional ownership. I mean, myself, I, I would love to own a part of something that had an inherent, uh, you know, inherently good chance of increasing value, like a classic car or like property. But the route into that is very complex and very complicated. Now, with rare collectibles, the only thing that kind of stops you doing it is the cost of these things. They're not, you know, they're not cheap. I mean, the Buzz Aldrin suit is like $250,000. The shining axe is, you know, it's six figures. There's, there's not really any hope for, for me and probably for a lot of other people to ever be able to participate in, in the appreciation of that market. But by fractionalizing these items, it gives everybody across the world the opportunity to do that using blockchain, of course. And, you know, and we're, we're trying to onboard as many people as we can to this system with our with our payment method, of course, the, the fiat payment thing, which we can do again because we have because we have the items. Switching track a little bit, what what do you think has been the most exciting development in the past year? And do you see any sort of future integrating that with you know what you guys are doing? Okay, so it might sound biased, but <laughs> I mean I've spent a lot of time studying the markets, what's going on, who's doing what and everything else. But for me, the biggest innovation that we will see in Web3 and that we are seeing Web3 is the discovery of utility. When I say that, I mean mostly the discovery of utility for, for NFTs. You know, there's a lot of talk about AI, there's a lot of talk about metaverse, or there has been, but the AI thing is obviously, you know, it's a fantastic innovation, but it's kind of like happened really fast without any sort of constituents in place or, or you know, uh, any sort of regulatory systems in space. And I think that's important. Now, what we've got with NFTs is we've got something that's already established, that's been around for, for some time, is ripe for expansion. So I think that the, the most exciting development for me has been the discovery of new utilities for NFTs. I think there's a lot of work to be done, of course, but we're, you know, we're spearheading that with what we're doing. There are a lot of um, good and exciting developments in terms of membership NFTs and how that could work, and more importantly, how it could work for people that are not currently in this space and what benefits it could provide them. And that's the angle that we, we're taking. We're, we're looking to, you know, obviously we, we want to, you know, NFT people to see what we're doing and think it's great, but we are sort of focusing on what we can do to bring people onto the, into this space. And I think the more people that do that with a valid benefit and something that is a real utility, not just, you know, okay, I've got this NFT and you can stake it and, you know, you can do this with it or that with it, but it's, you know, okay, I've got this NFT and it actually represents something, whether it's physical, whether it's a membership or whether it's a share in something, it actually represents something. 
And we all know the benefits of blockchain. And those benefits bundled into these innovations is uh, a total win-win situation as far as I can see it. So, yeah, that, that's, that's what I would say was the most exciting development. I'm actually a bit curious about, do you experience any difficulties of attracting new users because of the what happened after FTX and a lot of like Web3 and crypto startups, they experience some difficulties? And I think just like the crypto climate is like cooling down a little bit. Do you think you will be able to cope with it or you have you have some strategies to go around with that and maybe some predictions when it will, I don't know, get better? Okay, that's, that's a great question because I've spent some time recently at exhibitions and physical events, you know, promoting what we're doing. And what we're seeing is... And this, this, for me, is reminiscent of 2014 when I was telling everybody about crypto and Bitcoin and everybody was going, you know, what is it? You know, what benefit, what benefit does it offer? And how do, how do I even get involved with it? This is just like that because, I mean, the other day I was in a room, I did a presentation. There was, I don't know, 25, 30 people there. And every single one of them, apart from maybe one or two, didn't know what, you know, NFTs and crypto were. And they were engaged and what I can see happening is people from sort of Web2 people are looking at what we're doing and thinking, this is actually pretty good. Now, what, what, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get across to them is that we are, I know this is a bit cliche, but we are at the start. This is the start of something new. This is the start of a new vehicle and a new opportunity to get involved with something at the bottom. I know that when we're at uh, exhibitions, we get a lot of other companies coming up to us and asking us how we do what we do so i think rather than thinking you know okay this is going to be great let's market it in the nft space all the nft djs are going to love it we're actually taking a different approach by approaching new people when they sort of listen the first one of the first things i'll say to them is you know you've heard about the scams you've heard about ftx you've heard about everything else i then go on to explain how we take away the risk of the, um, the the NFT risk, if you like. We take that away by backing them with re- something of real value. We also take away market fluctuation risk by pricing everything in USDC. Now, let's just say, for example, uh, we use a Polygon blockchain, by the way. So let's just say Polygon blockchain goes down, everything crashes, market disappears. We still have records of everybody that's brought our NFTs and we still have the physical item. So those people actually haven't lost anything. So by taking away all that underlying risk, which is so inherent, it has been from the, since the very start, we tends to answer a lot of those questions very quickly. In terms of where we're going in the future, again, I think there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, you know, the scammers are out there. You've only got to see what happened with the with Atomic Wallet the other day to notice that. I mean, that you know, that's a wallet as well. It's not, you know, it's not a it's not an exchange, it's an actual wallet. And that, that sort of thing scares people. But again, we can take that fear away by assuring everybody that buys a fraction that their fraction is backed by the physical asset, no matter what. So yeah, I think that's a great way to approach the whole problem, not focusing on the, I guess, the, the Web3 side, NFTs. And I think that's what a lot of the new Web3, I guess, generation of startups are starting to focus on. Less on you know the technology and more about the utility. Yeah, it's just exactly what you're saying before. And actually, 
on that note, I do, I'm curious and if you can share, like, uh, so what, what's next for Collector Lab? Is there any, I guess, uh, upcoming projects that you can tease? Okay. So like I said, we've, we've just got two items out there. We've, we've been launched about six weeks now. We've got two items out there. We've got the Madonna stage worn underwear and we've got, of course, Kurt Cobain's hair. Item three is up for discussion. We haven't decided yet, but this is, again, this is the beauty of what we're doing. We, we can have, you know, we can put a poll out on our, on our Twitter page and list three items just randomly picked from our collection and put those out there. You know, what should we fractionalize next? Shall we have a historic document? Because we do have those as well. Shall we have this historic document signed by Henry VIII? Or shall we have Buzz Aldrin's spacesuit? Or shall we have something else? And there's just a huge list of things we can do. We've got uh, unreleased lyrics, handwritten lyrics from Mick Jagger that we're considering as well. So, you know, for me personally, I like the Shining Acts. I really do. And I think because it's a cult item, and it's, you know, cult is kind of like nearly anti-establishment, almost like crypto was when it started. So I think there's a, there's a good link there, but I'm not going to say what it is now, but there might be clues on our website. I'll say that much. I actually was for Shining Axe as well. Just like when you said like, oh yeah, I'm up for it. I actually would like to ask you, what are your hopes and predictions for the future of the Web3 field in general? Sure. I mean, my hope is that everybody globally can leverage the technology that we know and love for good and new opportunities without risk, not just trading, you know, not just going on exchange and doing a 10 times on, on a DAF token, but for, for actual real world use that can provide some value and some benefit. And as time goes on, I, I hope that we will see more innovations like that. I'm sure we will. The other hope I have, and this is kind of like a prediction as well, is that the whole space will become a lot more refined and less of a free-for-all. You know, there, is a, there always has been, uh, you know, they, 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 it's like the Wild West and all the rest of it, but it's kind of like reached a critical mass now. And I think it really is time to, I'm not going to say have a clear out, but it is time to dreamline the whole space, make it more efficient, make it safer. And making it safer is the number one thing that we need to do. And everybody involved in Web3 needs to, to focus on that, which is why we put so much emphasis on the um, de-risking what we're doing. I mean, luckily for us, we're in a position where we can do that because you know we hold, we hold the items. And Paul Fraser Collectibles have been dealing in rare collectibles for over 40 years. They are considered, considered to be you know, a world-renowned expert in this field. So we've got that behind us, so we're lucky. And my hope is that other projects will focus on the security and safety of their users, uh, because in the long term, that is the route to mass adoption. It's not, you know, okay, I've got this token. It does this. It'll be great for everybody. It should be, okay, I've got this token. What can happen? What could, what could go wrong without being pessimistic? What can go wrong and what could be the fallout for that? And how do we mitigate that before it happens? And these are some of the things that I explored in the uh, in the stages of building this project, you know, we we had a we had a contingency list. What will happen if this happens? Ranging from somebody losing their their wallet keys right through to the whole of the space disappearing. So we have uh, you know we have this contingency where we can look at every possible scenario, and what we would what we would do in that scenario 
and how we would uh, benefit, not benefit, how we would help our customers to retain the value of what they what they brought in that scenario. And in every case, as I said, luckily for us, we can do that. And I just hope that other projects and other companies make that a priority because I, I don't think they have in the past. All right. Fantastic. And I think on that note, that's probably a good place to end. Want to leave any kind of message for final message for our listeners? Like how can they find you and learn more about what Collector Labs or Paul Fraser Collectibles does? Sure. I mean, we're on Twitter. I know Twitter is the go-to place for all the NFT people. It has been for me for like 15 years or something. But um, yeah, so uh, at Collector Labs and of course our website, www.collectorlabs.io. You'll find everything you need to know on there about fractional ownership, what the benefits are and how you can get started with that. And you'll you'll also see, um, you know, our team section as well. So you can have a look at um, the, the people in our organization their background and their experience. So you know, as we know, the team's always important. So please have a look at that. And of course, a big shout out to all my colleagues who've, who've made this possible so far. And thank you guys for having me on, Anna and Brian. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.